how many bankruptcies because of medical crises were there last year in, in Switzerland? I don't have that number in front of me, but I could find out. And I can tell you how many it was. Get back to you. It, it's zero. Do you know how many medical bankruptcies there were last year in France? I don't have that number, but I can get back to you if you like. Yeah, the number is zero. Do you know how many were in Germany? From the trend of your questions, I'm assuming the answer is zero, but I don't know the precise amount, and I would have mm -hmm. to get back to you. Well, you're very good. You're very fast. The point is, is that I think we need to go in that direction, not in the opposite direction. Sure. My name is Darcy Thompson, and I support a single-payer health care system because I think health care should be a basic human right that, is, uh, that everybody is entitled to. Good deal, thanks. Ready? I'm Pauletta Feldman. I'm from Jeffersonville, Indiana. I support single-payer health care because it works great for seniors, and I think it could work great for the rest of the country. Everybody should have health care. It's a human right. My, my name is Thomas Pierce. And as a person who relies on the, our medical system, I support a single-payer system because right now our current president is trying to de deconstruct our total health care system as it stands. We need to reinforce it and, and have Medicare for all. My name is Ashley Hintz and I support single payer because my 10 year old was born with a congenital heart defect and if the GOP have their way, my son will no longer have insurance or be eligible for insurance and I don't think that that's an appropriate way to handle our future. All right, uh, my name is John Wright, I'm a national organizer for Railroad Workers United. I support a single-payer system because it seems as if every other system is failing and we need to try an alternative. Uh, organization, uh, it's, it's obvious. So health insurance is a scam already and people don't, shouldn't have to worry about what they're going to do when their natural body decides to break down. And it's, since it's a natural progression that the human body is going to break down and get sick no matter what. You shouldn't have to worry about losing your house or losing your ability to exist in the system that we're in now just because you get sick. Uh, I used to have really good insurance when I worked at the railroad, but now I don't work at the railroad. So uh, it's a constant worry, uh, especially now that I don't have insurance for my family, uh, my little boy. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's nerve-wracking. It's stressful to wonder and be scared all the time about whether or not you're going to be able to get basic health insurance or services. So that's why I support single-payer. We've got to do something. It's a, the only compassionate thing to do. Good deal. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, my name is Bella Usenza, and I'm here because I support Bernie, and I'm here, or I support the single-payer tax plan because I believe health care is a universal right. 
My name is Maddie Davidson. I am here because I support Bernie Sanders and I support the single payer because I believe that everyone deserves to have health care and shouldn't be hung out to dry just because they can't afford it and everyone should be working with each other. Uh, my name is Carolyn and I support single payer because I'm originally from Canada. All my friends, are a lot of friends and all my family live there. They love their single payer plan. They have all the choice they want. They don't worry about health care costs. Um, and they live a much more stress-free free life than a lot of Americans. How about that? Good deal. Thank you. So I'm a nursing major and I've seen the healthcare from I've seen healthcare from multiple sides and it's a lot more expensive to come in to an emergency room and be treated for uh, exacerbation of like a lung disease or a kidney disease when that could have been prevented a long time ago if you had been going to your clinic normally but some people if they don't have health insurance they can't do that so it's really important to reach out and try to get um, basic forms of health care for people that may not be able to um, pursue it themselves so you have to extend your reach very good thank you very much oh I'm Sarah and I think that single-payer health care should be in the US because it works really well in other countries and I believe that health care is like a right not a privilege and everyone should have access to health care especially in a really advanced country like the US good deal thank you Sarah Thanks. Perfect. Okay. Thanks, Angela. And why you support a single person? Yeah, my name is uh, Frank Schwartz, uh, and I reside in Louisville. And I remember uh, Truman. Truman wanted, you know, our country to have uh, a single payer uh, health system, and we're still working on it. And it's it's as imperative today as it was then. Uh, matter of fact, it's more imperative. There's a lot of money in healthcare, but it's going to the wrong places. So yes, uh, Frank Schwartz supports single payer. Good deal. Thank you very much, Frank. Sure. Uh, my name is Scott Heseltine. I live here in Louisville, Kentucky, and I believe a single payer healthcare system would move us closer to the direction we need to go as a country, where uh, individuals and families don't have to worry about things like pre-existing conditions and a system where we take the profit out of uh, healthcare, the profit motive uh, out of healthcare in terms of uh, dirty terms like medical loss ratio or things we don't have to worry about with the medical loss ratio being uh, simply a benefit an insurance company pays to cover a condition we should be covered for. Those types of motives need to be eliminated and we need to provide uh, secure access to uh, affordable care to all. Good deal. Thanks, Scott. Your name and why you support single-payer health care. My name is Ira Gruper. I support single-payer health care because health should not be something that people make money off of. People work all their lives and then they get screwed and they have to go to a hospital and they're paying for the rest of their lives. I was a factory worker for most of my working life and I was fortunate to have pretty good insurance. But even with the good insurance now, going to the hospital, and I've been recently, has meant a real sacrifice for me. So I s certainly support single-payer. single, health, single payer. Thanks, Ira. Linda Clark. Hey, Linda, um, why would you support a single-payer health plan? 
Well, I'm fortunate enough that I work for a corporation that has good benefits, but I know there are a lot of people out there who aren't so fortunate, and as someone who's had a catastrophic illness, I realize how expensive it can be through no fault of your own, and it just doesn't make sense to me that people are profiting off the illnesses of others. So there really shouldn't be any profit margin involved with that. And I think having it nationwide through Medicare, you would be having an equal system for all. Thanks, Linda. <laughs> Broadcasting from the historic Habern Building in downtown Louisville, it's time for Single Payer Radio, a project of Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare. We are an affiliate of the Kentucky chapter of Physicians for a National Health Program. We believe a national, publicly funded, nonprofit single payer system is the solution to the current dysfunction functional system that values profit and stockholder returns over patients. The views and opinions expressed on our show are those of the speakers and not the station. I'm Mark McKinley, a volunteer with the group. Single Payer Radio can be heard here on WFMP 106.5 on Mondays at 2 p.m., Tuesdays at 7 a.m., and Wednesdays at 11 a.m. If you can't pick up our radio signal in your neighborhood, no problem. You can live stream us at forwardradio.org. If you miss a show or want to listen again, you can do this at forwardradio.org and go to the archives. Today's first segment is part of Single Payer Radio episode number one broadcast here on WFMP about five years ago when we turned on our transmitter. I recorded Harriet Seiler's interview with Tom Moffat in the studio we had set up at First Unitarian Church about a block away from Habern. Big thanks to Jared and Sarah Zarantanello for helping us get set up over at uh, First U. They brought so much energy, did a lot of trainings to help us on our path to becoming a real radio station. And just a com couple comments about independent media and our upcoming fund drive. Listeners of Forward Radio know all too well that folks working for a just healthcare system aren't seen or heard on corporate media. We've held rallies, blocks from TV outlets, steps from the Courier-Journal, zero coverage. You're more likely to see stories about lost puppies or a new hot dog stand opening than stories about families struggling with medical expenses, housing, utility costs, high drug costs. Part of that problem Private equity companies buy up media, cut the staff, then sell the remaining bones. 
leaving communities without local and regional coverage. Without independent media, corporate lobbyists and PR firms, Wall Street expectations, they're going to drive the narrative and drive policy. We see it in healthcare policy. We see the Chamber of Commerce drive unemployment insurance and tax policy in Frankfurt. That's why Kentuckians for single-payer health care and the Kentucky chapter of Physicians for a National Health Program have been community partners with Forward Radio from the start. So stay tuned about our fund drive here at WFMP Forward Radio. You'll hear, hear more about it in the coming weeks, that's for sure. If you've got a few bucks, we'd appreciate the help. If you've got ideas, hell yeah, share them with us. Forwardradio.org. Thanks for listening. Now for Harriet and Tom and voices from a rally we organized in front of Senator McConnell's office a few years ago. Hi there. Forward Radio is pleased to bring our listeners another segment exploring the merits of a national single-payer health plan. My name is Harriet Seiler, and it's a great pleasure today to be speaking with Tom Moffat, a retired Presbyterian minister, well known in the Louisville area for his work as an activist for civil rights, open housing, and other social justice issues. And I've just learned that Tom also had a second career as an accountant. Tom, why have you joined Kentuckians for single-payer health care? Harriet, I'm an enthusiastic member because single-payer, Medicare for all, is a way to combat the fear that millions of us have, the fear that a major illness in our family will wipe out our life savings. Moreover, single-payer is real reform that will expand care and cut costs. This program will save the average middle-income family over $5,000 each year. That's right, $5,000 per year. Businesses, too, would save. Employers would no longer have to pay health care premiums to cover their employees. They will pay a moderate tax instead, but the savings will be significant, and every worker will be covered. Small business owners who now say they can't afford health care for their workers would be totally relieved of that concern. Money would be freed up for expansion, innovation, even for higher wages. And we could all use higher wages, couldn't we, Tom? <laughs> um, I know how active you are, Tom, but how would a single-payer plan affect you, yourself, now that you're out of the regular workforce? I'm 92, still healthy, but have had recurring EMS trips to the emergency room with Medicare and a supplement. I've never paid more than $100 for those trips, and my taxes, premiums, and other out minor out-of-pocket expenses probably come to less than $5,000 a year. But I wouldn't need to pay for a supplement anymore, and I'd expect my taxes to go down. 
well, like higher wages, lower taxes are always a good thing. <laughs> uh, a moment ago, you mentioned real reform. Aren't the reforms that were brought in by the Affordable Care Act, also called Ob Obamacare, aren't they helping with access to treatment and cost control? Well, Obamacare has helped some. It has helped some people, but not a lot of others. And the Medicaid expansion has helped low-income families. But I know young people and people under 65 who are still struggling to get care, who can't afford the premiums, or especially the rising costs of their drugs. Right, drugs. Just imagine how things would improve under a single-payer system. Here it is. We'll all be able to go to the doctor of our choice without worrying about the bill. If the doctor decides we need care, we'll get it. There will be no interference from insurers. The doctor or hospital won't have to worry who will pay the bill or whether the bill will get paid because the bill will be processed by the one single payer that will handle all payments for everybody all over the country. The money will come from taxes spread over all the nation's people and businesses. We'll all pitch in. Well, now that sounds like the single-payer motto. Everybody in, nobody out. Um, and in your view, what do we have to do to get such a system? Well, it won't come unless ordinary people like you and me work for it, Harriet. There's a bill in Congress right now. It's been there for a number of years. H.R. 676, the single-payer bill introduced by Representative John Conyers. That legislation outlines a simple and common-sense solution. The bill now has 62 co-sponsors, including our own Kentucky John Yarmouth. We have to put pressure on Congress, though, to get it passed. The bill is an American version of the single-payer health care systems currently working smoothly in every other advanced industrialized democracy. Their doctors are satisfied, paid well, and the resulting care is better than we are getting, even after the progress made under the Affordable Care Act. Better care than we have in the great U.S.? But Tom, don't we brag about having the best health care in the world? Oh, we do have great doctors in hospitals. But for the last 20 years, health care costs have been spiraling out of control, bankrupting individuals and businesses, even while our costs have reached double those of other countries. That's right, double. Our health outcomes do not measure up. In 2000, the World Health Organization ranked the U.S. at number 37 compared to other member countries. 37th? 37th? Shocking, isn't it? I'm afraid that outcomes haven't improved much. For example, we have higher infant mortality, lower life expectancy. The health of Americans, by many different measures, is actually worse than the health of citizens in other wealthy countries. That's a quote. Well, and I also have heard that in some of our Kentucky counties, the mortality rate is shockingly high, which means we are losing so many people too young. 
so many needless deaths. Such sad statistics. <laughs> so many needless deaths. The facts have convinced me to be an active supporter of single payer. The U.S. is the only industrialized country without true universal health care. Medicare for all, H.R. 676, that's expanded and improved Medicare for all, will bring justice and care for everybody at less cost and will save our economy billions per year. Well, now, how you and I are behind this, how can we get the public behind single-payer? Well, public support for this single-payer is rapidly growing, and I'm convinced will soon force action on the political scene. I may be more optimistic than some, but the most recent national poll, December of 2015, shows a total of 58% in favor of an expanded universal form of Medicare for all. And that includes 30% of Republicans. Oh, goodness. <laughs> 20,000 doctors nationwide have endorsed single-payer as members of Physicians for a National Health Plan. Several presidential primary debates gave this attention, but most media still ignore or criticize single-payer as politically impractical. We know that Democrats as well as Republicans see problems and express public dissatisfaction with the ACA, commonly called Obamacare. But the media fail to mention single-payer as a possible fix for, an ash, for a health care system that most of us are fed up with, unhappy with. I, I agree that the ACA falls short of our expectations. It's just so complex, and I'm afraid the marketplace really doesn't work very well in health care. But let's get back to the costs of a plan like H.R. 676. How will we pay for it? Well, there are wild statements being made, but serious economists who look into the question carefully tell us that single-payer will save money and cost substantially less for everyone except a few of our wealthiest taxpayers, that top 1% or 2% we hear about these days. Opponents try to convince us that taxes will rise for all income groups. I have no personal hesitation in saying that I have checked out those major allegations and find none of them backed by any efforts to provide factual support and evidence. For instance, the claim that the platform proposal of a major Democratic candidate would require additional taxes of $15 trillion completely ignores the fact that the substantial increase in total taxes for health care will be more than offset by eliminating all insurance premiums as well as co-pays and deductibles. That's why all reliable estimates predict total costs will decrease. And I am confident in repeating that figure of $5,000 savings for the average middle-class family. Well, and Tom, we have the savings in, in dollars, and that's to say nothing 
of reducing the anxiety and the worry about getting a health care bill that you know you can't pay. That's right. I'm glad you mentioned that, Harriet. We don't worry about getting a bill if we have to call the police or the fire department. We can also take the worry out of health care the same way. The 911 dispatcher doesn't ask if we have insurance. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> with Thank heavens. With single payer, if our doctor finds we need care, we get it and can still come back again and again. No consultation or cancellation by an insurance company to protect their profits. Well, Tom, you have really done your research here and you've, we've about, I think, covered the waterfront, but is there anything else you think our, listen, our listeners should know or that they should do? Well, I've, I've completely failed to mention one of the most important things. The reduced costs of single payer make it possible to include coverage of dental and even long-term care. Think of that. You mean nursing homes, long-term care. That's incredible. That is incredible. Most of us have never even thought about that. Right. People and have not I personally paid. have always just accepted the fact that I was going to have to let Medicaid take care of my last days if I, they ended up in a nursing home. Mm. Remember, if we want to get no worry health care, this kind of health care at less cost for businesses as well as individuals, you and I will have to get enthusiastic about it, join with others to work for it. The special interests that rake in huge profits from the current system based on private insurance spend billions of those profits to persuade Congress to leave our current complex and costly system just the way it is. Our votes are the only thing that can win out over those dollars. Well, Tom, thank you so much for your insights and your passion about this topic. and uh, thanks to all of the wonderful people who have put it together. Uh, we are proud that you have come to join us. We are part of 43 similar demonstrations across the country that intend to put health care for all in the form of national single payer, improved Medicare for all, H.R. 676 on the nation's agenda. And it's time. You know, we're the wealthiest country in the world, the wealthiest country. We're 37th in health care. Uh, a woman has a greater chance of dying in childbirth in the United States than in Turkey or Iran and a greater chance than in any of the other industrialized countries. And it's time to change it. We have the support of a majority of the people in our country, believe it or not. It's somewhere around 60% or two-thirds. Uh, and we are charged with the responsibility of putting what is morally right and popular with the people into legislation so it becomes a fact 
for all of the people and we live in a better society. <laughs> so just a couple of uh, housekeeping chores. We have some wonderful volunteers who are our monitors. They're in the lime green vests and uh, they have asked if we could leave a path along the edge over there so that people are able to pass through so we're not blocking the sidewalk from everyone that comes along and to stay out of the street, I think they said. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is we have wonderful volunteers who have clipboards. They are trying to get the name and contact information of everyone who is here because just in case we don't win this today, we want to be able to stay in touch and put together our strength until we are able to do that. So, <laughs> I think that that is all I need. We have wonderful people who have volunteered to be this. We are honored uh, that our first speaker is our congressman. <laughs> a co-sponsor of H.R. 676. Oh, I just must tell you, Conyers, the Congressman Conyers introduced H.R. 676 January 24 of this year with 51 co-sponsors. As of today, there are 93. <laughs> we are growing and getting stronger every day. And uh, we love that Congressman Yarmouth could be with us today, and he does so much for all of us. Well, thanks so much. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Beautiful day here in Kentucky. Uh, great to see you all here. You know, there's always a danger in when you're talking to a group that always that agrees with you, totally, uh, because we are basically an echo chamber here. We're talking to each other, and we need to be talking to this man in here and and many of the others in Congress, but let me just tell you briefly what's going on. You, you all follow it, I know, but Winston Churchill once said that the United States always does the right thing after they've exhausted all the other possibilities. <laughs> I think we're on the verge of having exhausted all the other possibilities of health care. And over the last few weeks, We've seen something really, really important happen in Washington, which is unusual. What we're seeing is a realization, not just, I think, with many members of Congress, but with people throughout the country, that there is no alternative to the Affordable Care Act except single payer. It's funny, I've been saying that to my Republican friends now for about two years when they say we're going to repeal and, and replace the Affordable Care Act. I said, no, you're not, because there is no replacement for it. You either go back to where we were when insurance companies decide who lives and dies, or you go to single payer. And every time I've said that to them, they've never really had a response. Well, now they're learning. <laughs> Un unfortunately, what they're trying to do now is to move in the opposite direction. They're trying to go back to when insurance companies decide who lives and dies. Now, we're not going to let them, that happen. The American people aren't going to let that happen. 
And we will continue to make the argument that if you really want to create a first-class health care system in the United States, look around the world and see what everybody else is doing. And the answer will become pretty obvious. Now, two weeks ago, when we had that great victory, forcing the Republicans to withdraw their bill, it was, it was a blast to be a part of that and to, to get up on the floor. And every time a, mem a Republican member got up and spoke, I, I would come back and say, you realize that when you, if you pass this bill, that 51,000 people in your district will lose their insurance coverage. And I did that one after another with every, every Republican speaker, and it really got under their skin. <laughs> As it usually does when people realize that they're on the wrong side of, of an issue and the wrong side of history. So what happened two weeks ago we made great arguments. I mean, we were brilliant, I know, on the floor and all that. But, but that's not what stopped the bill. What stopped the bill was people like you flooding offices of Republicans and Democrats and saying, we don't want to go back. We want to move forward. We want to move towards single payer. And literally, offices were getting hundreds of calls a day opposed to their proposal. So the people stopped it, just as the people will ultimately demand single-payer, and finally achieve success in that arena. Just one final word, and I'll pass along, because you got a lot of speakers. I'm reading this incredible book by Thomas Friedman called Thank You for Being Late. It's a new book, bestseller, about how we deal with the pace of change in the world. He's going to be here on May 8th, by the way, plug for the Kentucky Author Forum. Uh, and he, he actually offers a set of, of political suggestions as to what we should be doing to make this a better country and to keep up with change. Number one on this list is a single-payer health care system. So again, you know, it's not going to be easy. It never was going to be easy to change a health care system as dramatically as we are trying to do overnight. Uh, we tried for 100 years to reform health care to get to the point of the Affordable Care Act. I don't think it's going to take another 100 years, but it's going to be the persistence of people like you who get it done. So thank you for that. You've got a lot of allies in Congress. Got to, as Kate said, you've got a lot of allies throughout the, throughout the country. So let's keep working and talking and putting the pressure on, and we'll get it done. Thank you all very much. A special treat. Um, you know, the organization that has been the backbone of this movement since the late 80s is the Physicians for a National Health Program. They are the group that put together the proposal that will really work in order to cover all our people, save the money, expand the care, and make it happen. And we are honored to have the national president of that organization with us today. She hails from Nashville. She is the woman who held up the sign in the Trump rally in Nashville. 
and was escorted out. <laughs> She's a courageous and strong woman. Her name is Dr. Carol Paris. Hello, everyone. Congressman Yarmouth, it's a pleasure to follow you. <clears throat> and yes, I did hold up a sign at a Trump rally. Um, I did this, I want to assure you, not born of uh, passion or impulsivity. This was a very strategic move. It was political theater. And I played it to the best degree that I could. I also was very careful. I made sure that I was in the first two rows so that the police could get to me quickly if any of the um, uh, people in attendance decided to get violent, which they did not. And um, I made sure that I had a videographer so that before I was even out of the building, the video of the action had been uploaded to my friend Dr. Margaret Flowers in Baltimore, who then got it to a reporter at the Tennessean newspaper, and I was on the phone with that reporter within a half an hour. So my point is that we have to work together. I'm so glad that there are not just, I want to acknowledge, and one of them will be speaking, uh, we have members of Students for a National Health Program. They're part of the coalition. I'm so glad to see people from uh, uh, progressive Democrats, from Indivisible, um, Kentuckians for single payer, all of you. We have to work together. And that's what we're doing. Today is actually um, a, a day of action that PNHP called for on the first day of the congressional recess. And yes, maybe I'm, I'm preaching to the choir right now, but I'm also giving you your marching orders. And your marching orders are to go to www.pnhp.org, and we have a page there specifically for a two-week um, call-in action. We want to bombard the phones of every member of Congress. Do not think that you can't call a Republican member of Congress. I called on one at um, Longworth Building just the other day. We have to make the point that, yes, health care is a human right. It is also conservative and popular, not only with Democrats, but with hard working class, um, hard working Republicans as well. While they may still be um, less than 50%, the number of Republicans who support a national health program is rising, just like the number of Congress people who are finally signing on to H.R. 676. So we need to get out of our echo chamber. I want people calling Republicans, Republican congressmen, asking them to support H.R. 676, and Republican senators and, and Democratic senators, and asking them to um, sign on to Bernie Sanders' uh, bill, which is coming out in May, we understand. And I'm happy to say it's looking like it is a companion bill to H.R. 676. So 
with that, I would say just keep, keep busy, get out of the echo chamber, talk to your Republican conservative friends and neighbors. We need them all to know that we want health care for everybody, everybody. What is our what is our number one slogan? Everybody in, nobody out. Everybody in, nobody out. One more. Nobody out. Let's make this the issue that truly becomes bipartisan. When American people come together, liberal, conservative, rich, poor, white, black, all nationalities, and finally say we can be together as one people and lift each other up and provide quality health care for everyone. Because not only is it good for, for you, it's good for me when you have good health care. So thank you very much for the opportunity. I know a lot of other people have good things to say too. Okay, our next speaker is someone who does a very important job in our community. You know, all of the holes in our health care system are not being filled, but the people who work the hardest to try to fill them are the people who make the community health centers run. And we're honored today to have one of the executives of the Park Duval Community Health Center, a vital institution for our community. She is the CEO. Her name is Ann Hagen Grigsby. Thank you so much. Good morning. It's a beautiful morning to be out here. And I am honored and privileged to be able to just say a few words to you all this morning. I mean, Park Duval Community Health Center is the oldest federally qualified health center in the Commonwealth of Kentucky and one of the first in the United States. However, right now, over 30% of our patients are still uninsured. Still uninsured. And you're saying, well, why is that? We have the Affordable Care Act. Many of our patients are uninsured because they're not eligible for the Affordable Care Act. Many of our patients are uninsured because we see everyone, regardless of their ability to pay, regardless of their immigration status, we are going to take care of that patient. When you don't take care of an individual who resides or works or visits our country, then you have a potential public health problem that we're choosing to ignore. So why aren't we doing this the way it needs to be done? H.R. 676 is going to make this insurance available to every person who steps their foot into the United States. Amen. Amen. You won't have to 
worry about whether Medicaid was expanded in your state. You won't have to worry about whether you're male or female. You won't have to worry about whether you're pregnant or not. You won't have to worry about the pre-existing conditions and all the pre-authorizations. We as a health center won't have to worry about all the infrastructure it requires to pay for all this billing because there'll be one place. I mean, right now, I mean, a little health center like mine, it's not that little, but it's pretty little compared to some of the big hospitals. But we pay over $300,000 a year in salaries just to take care of billing. Just billing. That's it. If we had one health plan that all patients could have access to, then we could have one health plan we could bill. We could make sure that everyone got the care they needed, regardless of whether it's our, at our centers, at a hospital, at an urgent care center, at an emergency room. It wouldn't matter because patients would know that health care in the United States is a right and not a privilege. Right. On a personal level, my mother died before the age of 65, because she was uninsured, she was self-employed, she didn't have health care services, she couldn't afford it, she didn't go to it, she tried to self-medicate, and she died. In a country as wealthy as ours, this shouldn't happen to any family. You should not have to choose between food and health care. You should never choose between clothing and health care. You should never choose between education and health care. You should not have to choose between family planning and health care. You should not have to choose between going bankrupt and having health care. You should be able to get the care you need when you need it. Nietzsche said, that which does not kill us make us stronger. Well, this has made us stronger, and I can see by the numbers here we're getting stronger every day, but we need you and your friends and all of your patients and your coworkers and the community members to support this by going to your congressperson, to your senators, and saying, H.R. 676 is the answer. America deserves and needs H.R. 676 because health care for us in this country should be a right and not a privilege. Okay, um, you know, the reason that we don't have health care for all is that our system is based on private, for-profit insurance industry that takes about 30% of our healthcare dollars and turns them into profits and administrative waste. And that's what HR 676 does. It removes that burden and uses all of our money to give care to our people. Okay, the, um, one of the most exciting developments in our city in the last three years is the organization of a student, a medical student chapter, the Students for a National Health Program on the campus here at U of L. They, <laughs> yes, <laughs> they've done a wonderful job, and uh, they are everywhere. They, everything they do is is uh, is successful, and uh, we have a speaker from that group who is the upcoming president for the coming year. Uh, this past year, this, the president is Malika Sabharwal. She's right over there. <laughs> uh, 
And the new president who will be speaking to you is Devin McBride, a future physician with a moral base. So we you all it's so great to see everybody here this is this is just absolutely amazing and um, like many of you I'm here because I believe healthcare is a fundamental human right um, I'm sure this is a sentiment many of you share which is just awesome um, so I mean how can we assure the right to life liberty and pursuit of happiness if we leave people behind if we leave people sick if we leave people bankrupt I mean, this is just, <laughs> the income gap in America continues to grow. Single-payer healthcare system is basically the one way we can kind of start to bridge this gap. A way to stop the system from punishing those people who work hard and still find themselves unable to afford care. Being poor leads to worse access to care, which leads to poor health outcomes, which leads to spiraling individuals further into poverty. This is not sustainable for our healthcare system and it is not reflective of the way we treat one another. We need to start talking about moving forward from the ACA and not backward. And we don't need to look far, drive six hours north and you can find a sustainable healthcare system in Canada that takes care of its people. And <laughs> I'm a dual citizen. My dad's a citizen of Canada. All of my relatives on his side of the family live in Canada, and despite what they tell you, they get great care. It's, it's not, <laughs> not an issue. But uh, since we have so many experts here on this, I decided I'd share my personal story of um, kind of one reason I'm so passionate about this, something that happened to me prior to medical school and almost prevented me from going to medical school. Um, basically, so this not only hits why the ACA is so important, but it also hits why it's so imperative that we move forward from the ACA to a single-payer health system. So in 2013, the retina in my right eye started to detach, threatening my eyesight. I had health insurance, so I thought everything was good. I had the surgery, everything was fine, and then I got a bill for $19,000 in the mail. I called the insurance and they told me they deemed the surgery not medically necessary so they were not going to cover it, which if, if I hadn't had the surgery, I would have lost eyesight in my right eye. Um, so I appealed the decision. I wrote the appeal. I got the letter back and it was denied. Um, they told me that, well, yes, it is medically necessary, but now we've decided that since you had to have the surgery at Jewish and UofL was your in-hospital network, even though it was a UofL physician, we're not going to cover it because it's out of network. So. Meanwhile, I went into collections for the $19,000 because Jewish, I was trying to get on a low-income health, um, low-income payment plan with them, and they told me I made, I was making $25,000 a year, and they told me I was making too much money to get on their um, low-income payment plan. So they were asking me to pay between $800 to $900 a month to stay in good standing, which I was something I could not do. That was over half of my monthly take-home at the time. Uh, so. I ended up going into collections for over a year, sank my credit, and eventually on my, on my next appeal, because I wrote another appeal, I got letters, I was luckily working in a hospital, I had recommendations from physicians, I was super lucky. Some people are not that lucky, they don't have those kind of resources. I was able to get the appeal taken care of, and from $19,000, the insurance took it down to 2000 I paid 1000 
they paid a thousand. Why could it have not been two thousand dollars from day one? I mean, I just don't even see how this is real. And then what made things even worse is after this, I had to switch insurance, and I thought, okay, this won't be a problem. I'm a, I'm a marathon runner, I'm healthy, I don't smoke, everything's fine. Like, I don't have pre-existing conditions, do I? Well, my one retinal attachment precluded me from getting any health insurance. I could not get on a single health insurance plan. I was starting the high-risk pool. Uh, that would have also cost me $700 a month. So I had to go without insurance. Um, until the ACA, as soon as the ACA came into play, I got on this exchange and got insurance immediately. No questions asked. So, and I mean, this isn't to say there aren't problems with the ACA. There are, and this is why we need to move forward. When I got on the ACA, I mean, this was great. I now had health insurance. This was a, I mean, this was the first time I'd had health insurance in over a year, and I didn't have to worry about that anymore. But my deductible was still over $6,000. Um, people would see me, but I still had to pay. Um, I couldn't get in to see a specialist. They wouldn't cover my prescriptions. Uh, so this was still an issue. And then finally I was able to get on you know, L as a medical student and uh, get their health insurance, which actually covers things. But I mean, this is not something you should have to worry about. And all this taught me one lesson. The life lesson I came away with is you cannot get sick in America. You can't afford to get sick in America. You just can't. But this is fundamentally flawed because we will get sick. Someone you care about will get sick, and something is going to happen when you least expect it. And there's so many other things to worry about when that happens that you don't need to also have the burden of facing these insurmountable costs. Under a single-payer system, people would no longer have an ultimatum between bankruptcy and their health. People will no longer be financially discouraged from seeking preventative care due to these high-cost deductible plans. Catching something early Prevention is the best way to reduce costs in our healthcare system. It's the best way to reduce hospital admissions. It is the best way to improve patient well-being, and it is the best way to move forward. Thank you. Thank you, Devin. Okay, our, our next speaker is someone who plays a very important role in our healthcare system here. Uh, she is a professor of medicine at the U of L Medical School, and she has been quite outspoken in recent days and cares very deeply about her patients, Dr. Barbara Casper. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to speak this morning. Um, who knew how complicated healthcare was, right? <laughs> I can tell you I damn well knew how complicated it was. I've taken care of patients who are underinsured and underinsured for the uh, last 31 years of my life, and it's very complicated. The ACA has helped. My patients now do have access to care that they previously did not have, but it's not perfect. And uh, let me just emphasize what some of our previous speakers have said. Lack of access to health care kills people. People die from lack of insurance. And what we really need is not insurance, we need health care. There's a difference. We have equated the two, and that's incorrect. We need health care for everybody. 
I'd like to share a personal story at a time I went uninsured. I completed my residency training, and the job that I was going to start did not start for six months. So I had a gap there. Unfortunately or fortunately, because I got pregnant. I have a beautiful daughter out of that. But I had a pre-existing condition. I was a physician. I could not get insured. So I went through my entire pregnancy without insurance, terrified that if something catastrophic happened, I couldn't pay for that. I also opted when I delivered to have the quickest in and out of the hospital that you've ever seen. And, and part of that was because of the bill that I anticipated. And I also chose to have natural childbirth. I don't recommend that. But it did not cause me to have a, an epidural cost. So everything I did was with cost in mind because I, as a physician, understood what that meant. And luckily, with my subsequent pregnancy, I was insured and didn't have to worry about that. That was a huge burden, and that is something we don't want people to go through. And I was someone who was employed and educated and still could not get insurance because I was pregnant. So I, I would say that we don't want to go back to that, and we need to actually move forward. The ACA has been a good step forward. My patients do get health care through that. There are people that are not insured and cannot access health care, and it's very complicated. And part of the reason that I, as a physician, have chosen to speak up is because I, I see this every day, and I also deal with the consequences of this very complicated system, having to decide which prescription for insulin my patient can get because it's different on each of their insurance policies. This is very complicated and as, as our previous speaker mentioned, the overhead cost to the healthcare system is remarkable just to manage this. So this is a time where we need to move forward and actually do the right thing, the moral thing, and the thing that makes most of the sense economically and have a single payer system. For more information about Kentuckians for single-payer health care, you can go to kyhealthcare.org, kyhealthcare.org. You can contact our chairperson, Kay Tillo, directly at nursenpo at aol.com. Kay's email, nurse npo at aol.com. Thanks for listening. Mike and Gene will be back next week. Have a good week, folks.